your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about healing a broken heart. You know, it's normal for us to need time to ruminate or go over a romantic breakup in, in minute detail when we feel like we're the one who was dumped. And, and breakups can definitely qualify as a traumatic event. And telling and retelling the breakup story is a relatively normal reaction, especially if it was traumatic for you. So, you know, if you're telling the same story two to three months after the breakup to the same friends, feeling that you're more depressed than just sad, experiencing emotional pain that's keeping you from engaging in your normal routine, it's likely going to qualify as too long. You know, unfortunately, there, there's not a, ro- a magic number for how many weeks or months it takes to get over a bad breakup. But if you find your thoughts are getting in the way of you moving forward and your friends are tired of hearing you complain, then those are two signs that it's time to give your, you know, get yourself together and move on. You know, you want to be especially attuned to whether or not you're experiencing, you know, symptoms, and, and which are markers, by the way, of clinical depression, like a depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, marked or diminished interest or pleasure in almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day, you know, significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain, or a decrease or increase in appetite nearly every single day, also a slowing down. Of, of the uh, of thought and a reduction of physical movement, and it's and especially it's if, if other people are noticing that, you know, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day, also diminishing ability to think or to concentrate, uh, concentrate or indecisiveness, and that's a big one by the way. Also, irritability is a big one, and also these recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal ideation without a plan, or a suicidal attempt, or a specific plan for committing suicide. These can all be factors that people feel, which are all factors attributed to depression, but they're also factors of what people feel when they're breaking up in a significant uh, relationship that is traumatic to them. You know, when it's been more than a couple months and you're still stuck in this emotional pattern, You know, you probably want to consider seeking professional help. You know, when your depression or grief weighs you down so heavily that you can't get get back into your life and can't function, that's a big deal. And you need to understand it's going to affect your workplace, your friends, your family, everything. You know, uh, the best way to stop dwelling on, on a heartache is to throw yourself into activities that keep you busy and engaged in the world. And research has shown that one of the best self-help treatments for depression is actual physical exercise. Unfortunately, depressed people only do what they feel and they don't feel like exercising. So oftentimes they're not consistent with that. You know, exercise produces endorphins, serotonin, which both promote a real positive outlook. And when we let ourselves spend too much time cocooning under a a blanket or eating ice cream, our brains stop functioning at peak power. 
And so the, 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 the surest cure for inertia is to start moving. Action is the cure to depression. Unfortunately, a lot of people, when they break up, will go into another relationship and do all of the same crap they did in the first one. You know, the human brain, and that's called a rebound, by the way. You know, the human brain is designed to seek pleasure over pain. But when you spend too much time ruminating on a breakup, the brain grows more familiar with the negative thinking, which is the pain. And it begins to find pleasure in the mental anguish that you're creating for yourself because it it becomes what's familiar and comfortable. Therefore, the brain does what's easier. It will migrate to what you spend your energy on. If you're going to spend your energy on depression and trying to control your way out of depression – you're going to find yourself being more depressed simply because that's what your brain is used to. You know, forcing yourself out to explore novel activities, new people is much better way to stimulate your mind. And it's a great way to meet new people who will help you forget the person that you need to forget. You know, keep your focus on the future and not the past. We all need something to get our minds off a breakup. When it's something that's like a reward, we might savor it. You know, the old saying that time heals all wounds is really about the fact that the brain allows us to forget what troubles us as time and new experiences take up more space in our heads. So getting involved in something that's fun, you know, some project, you know, getting out of town for a few days, adding a new class at the gym or yoga, really positive choices and opportunities that help you promote healing. And that is an important aspect of healing. You know, you've got to step back into your life. You can't just sit there in misery, you know, especially if you're going to create a victim theme around it. You know, the, the truth is, <laughs> and I've always say this, especially with divorce, you never know who you marry until you divorce them. And then you find out who you really married at that point. You know, coping with the breakup when a partner is more than a partner. It's not always easy when your partner was a significant part of your support system, you know, in emotional and practical ways. But it's hard to lose a person who holds a lot of different social support roles. And so when you're forced to find other people that fill that need, it may not be a lot of fun. But it is something that can definitely be done. Instead of wearing down your friends by recounting your breakup, reach out and ask them for assistance in helping you move forward. Ask if anyone is really great with taxes or could recommend someone. Ask a friend to meet up and brainstorm solutions for the problem at work with your mom, with your neighbor, or whatever you would have been asking your ex to help you solve. You know, let go of a partner is is not easy. And losing your partner and your best friend is really brutal. And it's difficult. So, you know, though though that it happens that people survive and that it can be a benefit to you by encouraging you to become a little more independent as well as resourceful. So when you begin to wonder if you're spending too much time eating ice cream or drinking wine, that means you really know the answer to the question. You probably are. You probably are depressed. You know, we usually have a pretty good idea when it's time for us to get off the couch and get on with life. But some of the clear signs that you've been avoiding life too long include when friends keep asking you when you're going to hang out or be normal or finally forget about the ex or start seeing other people. You know, you might also know it's time to get back in the world when you realize that your indulgence in self-care is making you feel worse instead of better. You know, whether it's missing out on time with friends 
gaining a pound or two or when your self-care is making you feel worse about yourself than you did when you started, you know, your self-care binge, then you know it's time to move on. You know, learning how to love yourself is learning how to say no to things that hurt you. If all you're doing is seeking comfort, it's a good idea to understand you're probably depressed and that needs to be treated. And yes, there's medication for that, folks. Also counseling. You know, the main thing is to keep engaged with others. You know, if you spend a few weeks hiding out, feeling sorry for yourself, you know, it's not a super big problem if it's just a few weeks. You know, if you're heading into your second month of Netflix or, or uh, uh, you know, you need to take some action, recharge your routine if that's all you're doing. You know, uh, you want to be really careful, though, if you're going to do rebound hookups, meaning that you're really just hooking up with people who might think that you're committed to them. You think you're kind of committed to them. But all in all, we find ourselves to go, hmm, I don't know if this is the right person or not, and I'm probably not ready for this, but I still want to enjoy myself. So you have to be really careful when you're messing with other people because they have a tendency to wobble also. You know, primal instincts may drive us to seek out or rebound relationships, but it's essential that you use good judgment and take precautions against making desperate or detrimental choices uh, with your next partner. You know, research suggests that when we're on the rebound, we typically see the next great thing as more attractive in a rebound situation than we normally would. And this means that our need to be especially careful that we don't make more physical attraction than we should. Hooking up can scratch an itch, but it's unlikely that a quick dive back into a hookup is going to be the best solution to a bad breakup. It might help you feel, okay, I'm dirty, so I can't go back to that person anymore. It may do that for you. You know, if, you are, uh, if you're after a rebound hookup to get revenge, you, you might just come away just as angry at your ex as you were before you found someone else to keep you company. You know, whether or not you choose to hook up as a coping strategy, finding a less potentially self-destructing method would be the best thing to do. You know, if you're still using a hookup method for self-soothing after a lot of weeks, it's a sign that you need to consider doing some serious self-exploration to see what's really missing in your life that may be propelling you to throw away hookups. You know, there's a dating moratorium. Wait until you're ready, but don't wait too long. You know, having arbitrary time limits on singlehood might seem like it could make things more straightforward than leaving things to chance, but there's going to be an exception to every rule about how long you wait before you're trying to date again. The important thing for you to do is to check in with yourself about how you feel about getting back out there. And you shouldn't get caught up in trying to predict the future. You know, like I'm doomed if I never find someone who'll stick around or making constant comparisons in your mind about how a potential partner stacks up to your ex. You know, none of us want to enter in a relationship where there, where there's a bar set that's already been set by someone else. That means you're not in it for me. You're just in it for me filling a slot for you. And that's not good. You know, if then it turns into a competition with an ex. So even if we win, we've only won against our partner's past. And that's the sad thing. We don't want to live that way. If you're ready to go back out there, when you're when you're giving yourself time to get back in touch with your own identity rather than, you know, half a couple, 
When you're dating for a companionship instead of dating out of desperation, you're giving a potential relationship the right foundation. You know, if you try to lock yourself into a specific dating moratorium, you may miss out on some pleasant experiences with someone who really may meet your needs. Uh, unlike maybe your partner. And you also want to look at your love language. Do you like getting gifts? Do you need compliments? You know, what do you need, need somebody to be there with you? What is your love language? And is this person good at my love language? The other thing is, is this good per- person good at commitments? Are they a person that will be in a relationship with you? Or are they a person that will try to be in a relationship with you? Because relationships are based on will. You need to have the will to be in a relationship. That is the important aspect of it. That makes it come to life. That gives it the true commitment. You know, across all cultures, the heart is considered the uh, uh, psychophysical organ of love, grief, compassion. You know, the Chinese word means both heart and mind, you know, reflecting on the belief that consciousness resides in the heart. And, And Chinese medicine actually identifies the main function of the heart as acknowledging momentarily reality as it occurs, you know, and it's unimpended by the mind's interpretations of events. You know, but what culture, you know, especially pop culture, leads us to believe a broken heart is the result of a nasty breakup. But history tells us we must dig deeper. Traditionally, trauma in the American Indian communities has been referred to as heart sickness. Historically, the bleeding heart has been cross-culturally used as the image of invasion and suffering. Then there's more to a broken heart than actually what we think. You know, stress affects our heart. You know, uh, a, a broken heart, a bleeding heart, a loss of heart all speak to a traumatic experience of grief along with rage and anger and pain. And these acute and, and very chronic states often appear in people with PTSD, especially when associated with anger, chronic stress, it leads to heart disease and PTSD. It's also associated with the development of uh, uh, coronary problems. And so um, one of the most common effective ways to measure how stress affects your heart is measuring your 24-hour heart rate uh, variability. And that refers to naturally occurring beat-to-beat changes in the heart rate. Greater variability means better uh, cardiovascular health. And studies of people with post-traumatic stress indicate they have decreased heart rate variability. And so that's an important thing for all of us to keep track of. So, you know, intentionally focusing solely on the heart is key to improving self-regulation of mental and emotional states. And it can also help reach a state of psychological coherence, which results from sustained positive emotion. In fact, research using the brain-heart technology, uh, like uh, I think there's a thing called heart math, um, shows improved capacity uh, to identify and manage stress and manage negative emotions and improve uh, vitality and quality of our relationships. And there's another thing called biofeedback. There's a game, actually. It's called um, Journey to the Wild Divine. And it's a biofeedback thing that, that actually measures your heart variability. You control the game based on how you feel and how you use your emotions to make things happen. You can make dolphins jump and balloons go up into the sky. You can build bridges. You can do all kinds of crazy things because of the way that you're able to shape your heart variability and also shape your emotions. Um, 
But exercise and also uh, uh, meditation are very good approaches to helping a person get through a breakup. A breakup. But broken heart is also a syndrome, and it's it's uh, it's it's a real condition. And although its its symptoms mimic a heart attack, it's caused by a sudden physical or emotional stress. And 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 so you know sometimes people have to go on medications for heart disease or anti anxiety drugs or stress management. Whatever you got to do, if you've got this broken heart syndrome, this thing that that is a temporary and reversible heart condition, you know it, it, it's unlike a heart attack. Broken heart syndrome happens when a sudden physical or emotional stress causes a rapid weakening of your heart. And that comes from breakups. And that is what does people in. And how you deal with a breakup has everything to do with how your health is going to be. You know, there's a lot of emotional stress that comes from grieving a, a, a broken relationship and a broken heart. You know, there's grief of the loss of someone, like a, even if someone dies. You know, and uh, uh, good news could be good. Bad news can be intense, intense fear, uh, extreme anger, all these things, you know, pain, the, the, the physical and the mental pain that we go through when we break up. You know, it's very important for us to really understand how this manifests itself and, and what happens, because our heart is a very sensitive thing. And when we have heartbreak, it truly does affect our heart. And so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. 
Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about healing a broken heart. You know, there's a whole lot of ways that the heart gets broken, and it doesn't have to be from a particular committed relationship. It could be from a betrayal of a best friend. It could be a betrayal of, uh, from your children. It could be betrayal from you to someone else. You know, there's a lot of ways that a heart can be broken. And, and we have to understand that life is about relationships and it's about commitments and it's about emotions and memory. You know, all memory is derived from emotional attachment. And when we develop emotional attachment, that's a sense of trust. That's a sense of commitment. And that can be a very important aspect of our life. You know, abandonment, inconsistent attachment, rejection, all of that comes with the idea of having a broken heart. You know, losing your job can be heartbreaking. Losing a best friend can be heartbreaking. You know, di- someone dying in your life that's significant can be heartbreaking. And so with abandonment, you know, the person that, that we're formally attached to just leaves. And per- perhaps it's not their choice. Maybe they died or whatever, but, but they're actually physically gone. Or the person can leave emotionally because of mental illness or addiction or depression. You know, no matter what the cause of the loss, the grief is intense. And the pain is both physical and emotional. And it can literally feel that our heart is breaking. And you know what's funny is, you know, inconsistent attachment. It's crazy making. People are very anxiously attached these days. It's very hard to find someone that is very attached, attached well, attached in a healthy way. A lot of people wobble with attachment. And it's sad, but that happens. And it's crazy making. You know, and what they end up doing is is trying to make emotional decisions rather than make logical choices. And so people that have anxious attachment are always weighing on their emotions before they attach. And when they do that, oftentimes they don't come to a logical conclusion as to whether this attachment is healthy or not healthy. But um, sometimes, you know, people come close and then they they're then they're gone. You know, and we're living in the day and age of people ghosting each other, you know, just disappearing and never to return. You know, it's pretty amazing that people do that. You know, there's no ease or peace of mind because we know the pattern and realize that they will soon be missing again. And so a pervasive sense of anxiety is present due to the awareness that love will be snatched away. And so rejection can feel like a heart attack. And the person that we've given our heart to holds it into the palm of their hand. And they can clamp their hand shut at any moment. So our partner can ignore, judge, criticize it, or project their hatred on us. And they know us well enough to know our tender areas that use, and they use that knowledge to hurt us. And so we have to wonder, you know, what is their intention? Is their intention to protect themselves? Is their intention out of fear? What is the intention? Because all forgiveness comes from the idea of a person's intentions. You know, any of of the big forms of pain can cause us to withdraw in an effort to protect, you know, our our our, our wounded heart. And one popular choice is is to usually isolate, which we're all used to doing now that we're in COVID, you know, and, and uh, like a lobster hiding under rocks when it sheds its old old uh, shell fearful of being eaten while missing its protective shell, a temporary choice of protection is useful, you know, and that's what we're like. We're like lobsters that lost our shell, 
You know, we go in isolation for a short term and then we make a a lifestyle out of being uh, self-sufficient, fearing of being hurt again. And then all of a sudden we're hermits, just kind of living in our pain, living in the fear of rejection. You know, I don't need anyone. We say that kind of crap to ourselves. But, you know, if you're going to live that way, you have to realize you're never going to make any memories that are going to go beyond you. And so your life is not going to have the kind of significance that you have the opportunity to have when you have relationships. You know, our unhealed, brokenhearted person may date or get involved with someone, but they have strict restrictions on how frequently they see each other and keep the relationship uncommitted oftentimes. And so what they'll do, you know, the way to heal the broken heart is to believe that it's possible to recover from a severe blow. You know, if you think about it, our goal in life, our duty in life, our absolute mission as life is to learn how to be resilient, how to pick ourselves up and move forward, no matter how hard it is, to move forward, to become resilient. But to be resilient means that we don't make emotional decisions. We make logical decisions that are good for us, and then we put an emotion behind us to motivate us, to get things done. You know, And we also, if you want to heal, you do want to tell the truth about the intensity of the pain starting with ourselves and then go on to share the grief with other people. But the biggest deal is we have to find forgiveness for the person who betrayed us and understand what was their intentions. What was their intentions? You know, and if you can't get that from them, get that from yourself. You know, it's an important step in the process and it can't be rushed. You know, you have to forgive ourselves for any part that we may have played in the demise of the relationship. Look at all your secrets, all the things you kept from your partner. How did that contribute to you distancing yourself from that partner? You know, when relationships are not working, they can be some of the loneliest places in the world, especially in marriage, because you know if you betray the marriage, there is a consequence that's likely going to happen. And so some people get so lonely and so desperate that they find another life outside of their marriage, and then they end up committing to that rather than cherishing their partner. And that's sad. You know, reach out to your friends if you've had a big breakup. You know, commit to becoming a, a, a receiver of their input instead of your own. You know, they know as well, they, they can help us see more clearly. They can help us see our sense of ourself. You know, our self-esteem is likely to have fallen when we're reality testing with someone who did not see us accurately. You know, dare to find the courage and the desire to be close to another person again. Find the motivation to risk involvement in a meaningful way. And if you want to learn to trust yourself, learn how to have faith. You know, if you don't have trust in yourself or other people, can you have faith in them? Because faith is the bridge to trust. And that's an important thing. So when you're trying to give someone trust, that's not a good thing. What you want to give them is faith. And faith means I'm going to believe that you're who you are until I see anything different or until I trust you. And that's the bridge. And when we hurt other people's feelings, what's really important when we betray other people and do something wrong, well, before we explain ourselves and try to help other people understand what we were really trying to do, uh, what we really, really, really want to do is ask them to have faith in us until they get to trust 
That's very important. You also want to find the strength and the courage to emerge from isolation and get back in the game, no matter what, how you feel. Get back into life. Get back into relationships and believe that we've learned from our previous ordeal and now we can discern who we can entrust with our heart again. You know, it's important to understand that we are learning experientially and failure and breakups is a part of life. And it's really not the breakup that's important. It's really what you learn that's important from the breakup, what you learn about yourself, what you learn about relationships. You know, it's sad when people break up, oftentimes they go and do the same thing over and over and over in their relationships. But what you might want to learn is to go to a therapist, maybe a marriage family therapist, and, and actually learn how to be married. You know, that's an important aspect of life. We don't learn that. We don't learn it in the classroom. And we try to learn it from our parents, but God forbid, they probably blew it too. And, and, you know, the bottom line is it's a very difficult process learning to understand the commitment of marriage and its impact on both people who choose to be married. But if you go from a Christian perspective, here's the deal. If you're going to be married, the idea is, is that you as a husband and a wife are on earth practicing how to have a relationship with God. That's the job. That's the job of marriage. You're on earth. You put your spouse first. You think for them first. Think for yourself second. The other thing is when you have children, it's how God loves you. It's the reassurance of how God loves you is how you love your children. You can always tell a person's relationship with God by how they treat their spouse. That's an important aspect of life and how they treat their marriage. That's how their relationship is with God. And so it's important for us to understand, is our relationship before you break up, is it on that path? You know, by gradually reinvolving yourselves with someone who's capable of being consistently caring, we are soothed. And the pleasure and the ease and the connection to restore our hope and faith that has been battered after a breakup, you know, after a broken heart, and, and we need the comfort of a loving partnership that bathes our hearts in loving kindness. And when a long, you know, when at long last we exchange love and care with someone who is safe, consistent, respectful, fully present with us, the depth of appreciation of their trustworthiness heals our broken heart. Then we can live in gratitude for the love that has been hard won from that person. This is an important aspect. You know, if you're going to fix a broken heart, the pain of, a, of an ended relationship is one of the many, and many, all, if not all of us experience this, by the way. It may be even more than once in a lifetime, God forbid, but movies and books make it seem easy to bounce back after a broken heart. But, but the happy endings either see a couple getting back together or someone moving on to an even better relationship. That's the ideal. That's the Hallmark movie, you know? But that's not how life is always. It's, it's a different person. It's not a better person. It's a different person that may actually fit us better. We actually, from a breakup, may discover what we really need. Not what we want, but what we really need in a relationship. And you need to be true to yourself to fight for that and set boundaries that get you to that. And if the people in your life that you're dating are not filling your cup, they're not filling your tank, then guess what? That's probably not the right person for you because maybe they don't have the kind of gas you need to fill that tank. You know, 
in real life, relationship woes aren't usually resolved in two hours like they are on, on the TV or on, you know, uh, movies. And the stories don't always have really good endings. You know, life is rough. And relationships can be rough. And we all go through, you know, different stages of love uh, in relationships. And sometimes uh, we don't love. Sometimes we fall in and out of love in relationships. But it's the sticking to. And it is the re- it's the, ab- the ability to be, resi- uh, not resistant, but resilient uh, in life. That coupleship, if it can be resilient, it builds upstream. If we're able to solve problems and actually together come to agreements and stick with them, then guess what? Guess what? We, we build confidence in our relationship. But most people do a try, and that's the sad part. They try to be in a relationship. They don't will themselves to be in a relationship. You know, if, if you're trying to come to terms with the end of a relationship, you know, uh, uh, cliches are not likely going to be helpful. Looking at quotes that make you feel better are not likely going to be helpful, although people may, may mean well, but it's better to have loved than have lost, uh, to, to have never loved at all. You know, offering those sentiments really doesn't give you a way of practical advice, but oftentimes people fall back on that. And so, yeah, you could take all that in. That's great wisdom, but it doesn't heal your heart. You know, healing from a broken heart is not the same process. It, it, it usually varies with each person changing from one relationship to the next based on what you need to heal. You know, nobody can really tell you with any degree of how long you'll need to heal. But there's some ways you can make the process of mending a broken heart into an opportunity to learn more about your wants and needs. And what's really important is to give yourself some sense of closure. Closure is what people need oftentimes to move on from a relationship, meaning that we're able to say the thing we need to say to that person, or maybe we say it within ourselves, or maybe we're able to give ourselves an understanding of why things ended, what and how made it arrive at a breakup. You know, if we can resolve that, if we can understand what led to it and what created it, we have a better sense of what happened and learning from it. But if we just go into the de- denial and isolation and we don't really speculate and go back and try to get closure on it, we're going to feel a lot of pain and we're going to reach out and do a lot of weird things because that's how people are. You know, ultimately, you can choose you know, insights to develop and strengthen your own coping skills in life. And the growth you experience will help you navigate future relationships with others as well as the relationship you have with yourself. And that's important. You know, in the early days of a breakup, try to resist the urge to isolate yourself. Try to not fall into the sadness, the guilt, the confusion over intense feelings that may be overwhelming and call those a call to action and have those things be what you are and what you become. What those things are meant to do is to ebb and flow. You know, when we are grieving, we go through a lot of various emotions within moments, within seconds, within hours. And we have to understand we can be a different person all day long based on how we're navigating the loss. And grieving, you know, is, is, is like a tidal wave. But if you understand emotions, you'll understand how to deal with uh, the, the broken heart. Here's the deal. 
Emotions last three minutes. They won't go any much longer than three minutes unless you ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And everything you do, every time you add the why you're feeling that way, you're adding three more minutes. And so it's like a wave. The first wave comes in. Why'd that wave come in? Well, now another wave comes in stronger. And then it comes in stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It builds into a tidal wave. So if you want to undo the grieving process, what you have to let it do is flow through you. Yeah, I'm feeling angry. It's not why I'm angry. I'm not going to, I don't care about why I'm angry. I'm just angry, 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 angry. Okay, if you're not fueling it with a why, the anger has nowhere to go and it dissipates. And so you have to understand that's how we deal with emotion in a healthy way. We allow the emotion to flow through us but not control us because our logic wants us to make logic of why we feel the emotions that we feel. You know, the immediate aftermath of a breakup, you know, you have to tell yourself it's okay. You're going to be okay. You have to allow yourself time to grieve. You don't need to jump straight into problem solving logic mode. You don't have to do that. Maybe you just have to let your feelings move through you. And that's all you have to do. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the task is to just let yourself feel, let yourself feel until finally the feelings don't need any more logic to fuel them. You know, that can help you. And it's very important to think in that way. You know, when you haven't allowed yourself to fully embody your feelings, it may make the process more elongated, more overwhelming. And so, you know, you, you want to let your emotions be and let them flow. They're supposed to emote. Emote means motion. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about fixing that broken heart. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
you are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about healing a broken heart. You know, here we are towards the end of the year, and lots of people get broken hearts at this time of year. Unfortunately, it's really sad, but and, and I don't know why this is a pattern, but in all the years that I've been doing therapy, um, People oftentimes wait till just after Christmas, and then they break up, and then they do their thing. <laughs> the holidays seem to be like breakup time, and that's why I did the show at this time. But, you know, breakups happen all year long, and they happen for all kinds of different reasons. You know, but it's really important to try not to view the end of a relationship as a failure. What you want to do is learn from it, not call it a failure, you know, you may have, uh, instead of thinking of it as, think of it like an opportunity to learn about yourself and to grow. You know, we grow from pain. You know, it doesn't matter if it was our first relationship or if we had others before everyone, whether they're 15 or 50 or 80 or 100, they can get to know themselves better and work on improving their relationships. You know, you may have a lot of anger around the relationship, including the way it ended, or you may even uh, attempted to... Uh, you know, exact revenge on your ex or fantasize about inferring or disrupting their life, including new relationships. But remember that hurting another person won't lessen your pain. In fact, it's more likely to make you feel worse and will slow the progress of your own healing. You know, so you want to have good self-care. It's emotional, physical, and spiritual. Um, you have your own unique needs in each area. But there are some general acts of self-care that are beneficial for almost everybody, such as nutritious diet, regular exercise, a good support system of, of social people, strategies for coping with stress. You know, that's just a few. But try to be patient, gentle, kind, giving towards yourself. Be nice to yourself. It may be help to know that the pain of a breakup is not just emotional. You know, research has shown people can f also feel physical pains as at loss. You know, you may need to work on restoring the big picture of yourself. You know, when you're in a romantic relationship, it may be a central part of your life. But romantic love isn't the only kind that could be nourishing. You know, you can continue to nurture relationships with friends and family and yourself because those people may be the ones to ultimately end up taking care of you. You know, if, if you feel guilt or shame about your role in a relationship that's ended, it may be hard to be a good friend to yourself as well as work through the feelings. But keep in mind that practicing compassion towards yourself makes it more likely that you'll attract the kind of energy of compassionate friends and compassionate people in your life. And if you're dealing with people in your life, by the way, when you're dealing with a broken heart who are not compassionate with you, who you've depended on before, then you might want to rethink that relationship and the magnitude of that relationship and how much energy you place into that. And that may include mom and dad, brothers and sisters. 
you know, working with a trustworthy, worthy, and knowledgeable, skilled, compassionate therapist is also good self-care during any period of a major change in your life, but can be especially helpful when you're coping with loss. You know, there, there. You know, you want to get, you want to don't not be stuck in the past. You know, the past is not where your life is. Your life is now. Your life is today. And if you can be present in this moment and then the next moment and the moment after that, you are in charge of your life. But if you're going to be in your head with the expectation that your 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 relationship wouldn't work or won't is not working or your relationship is ended and you have the expectation that it was not supposed to end, well, guess what? You're loading yourself up with a feeling that's going to be detrimental to your mental health. You know, expectations are depression. When they're not met, everything's a failure. So what we want to say is, I wish that the relationship would have worked, but it didn't. I prefer the thing would have worked out, but it didn't. I prefer they didn't have an affair. I prefer they didn't financially become an irresponsible person, but they did, and it affected me, and they didn't think about me. If you're with someone who doesn't think about you but only thinks about themselves, well, you're with the wrong person. That's not a relationship. You know, we all have the tendency to look back on our lives on certain relationship with rose-colored glasses, and and, and the, the, the effect of that uh, a retrospection is that you may refuse to see the problems and only focus on the good parts, which you're likely to miss. You know, if you broke up with somebody a long time ago, there's a good chance you're going to break up with them again. You know, the bottom line is if you're going back and really understanding what made you break up with that person, you're probably going to understand that that's a pattern that may reoccur again. So if you're getting on Facebook to look up all those old boyfriends and girlfriends, what you may have a tendency to find is something that regurgitates itself and then you have to eat it again. You know, sadly, uh, people do change, but they don't always change completely. You know, sometimes both good and bad memories may feel as though they're playing on an endless loop in your mind. And these intrusive thoughts can slow down the process of healing and can be really distressing. You know, though it may be difficult, try not to lose perspective. No relationship is all bad, but none are perfect. You know, if you're glorifying the relationship or find that you continue to put the, the, the X on a pedestal, it may be a sign that you need to give yourself some emotional and perhaps physical distance from that person. You know, that's not healthy. You know, we, we really struggle here in the digital age to refrain from checking up on our X, you know, or Xs. You know, if you can't resist that, it may be time to unfriend them or block their profile. You won't be able to move on with your own healing if you're constantly being drawn back into their life and thinking about what it once was and as well as will never be. You know, if your ex starts a new relationship, seeing them post on social media, even if it's not always an accurate, because it usually isn't an accurate representation, it may cause old feelings to resurface. And it can also fuel preoccupation with unresolved aspects of your relationship to them. But you have to realize most of social media is just a perception of the truth and not the truth. As a matter of fact, it is, I can guarantee you it's a perception of the truth and not the real truth. You know, even if your relationship ended on a, a bad note, chances are it was not all bad. It's normal to look back at what was good, and you may find you miss certain things about your ex and the love you shared. But at the same time, you may feel overwhelmed by the empty space that's left when the relationship ends. 
And then you harbor resentment about what happened that led to its dissolution. And so writing out these shifts in emotions is part of the healing. And so when happy memory comes, allow yourself to be grateful for it, but then move on. Don't stick yourself in it because that causes enough trouble right there. You know, you want to be honest with yourself about your needs, especially those that aren't being met. And that could be painful. You may feel that it would be easier and less painful to simply ignore your feelings. While maybe better in short to numb yourself with hurt, you know, it it will only make it harder for you to heal in the long term. Pretend if you're going to dwell on the hurt, you are going to die in the herd because that stops all of your progress. That's going to stop all of your healing if you're going to land on the negative at all times. And, and pretending you don't have needs makes it impossible for you to grow in both, both the relationships with the others and with the one you have with yourself is very, very important. So numbing yourself with hurt is not going to solve the problem, and it's certainly not a way to preoccupy your time. You know, following a breakup is a good time to think about your wants, your needs, and especially your needs in a romantic relationship. And if you meet people that don't fill your bucket, don't be with them because it's not in their character to do what you want them to do, what you need them to do. And needs are very emotional and needs are very profound and needs are not logical. They are emotional. And you can't explain them away. And then sometimes they're just downright embarrassing. Yes, I need you to give me gifts to make me feel better about myself. But I need that. Okay, that can be really embarrassing to have to say that. But that is a need. And so we have to respect that and have a partner that's good at meeting that need. Love languages are very, 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 very important to all of us because they are needs-based. You know, ask yourself questions. Have I been choosing partners who are not capable of loving and, and a mature relationship? Am I, am I trying to fix every person that I'm with? Am I looking at that person as more flawed than me? So if I try to fix them, I don't have to worry about my own problems. That's the big deal. A lot of people meet people that are hurting and they think that they can heal them rather than pay attention to their own selves. Sadly, they want to fix that partner and then they try to fix that partner and maybe that partner allows them to try to fix them. But then they get together and get married and the next thing you know, that one partner is trying to fix the other rather than accepting them for who they are. You know, uh, uh, you really want to, it can be painful to admit that your previous relationship wasn't able to meet your needs. And and taking the time to honestly reflect can be a lot of work, but you can do it. And you'll be able to clarify the qualities to look for another partner. That's why that previous relationship may lead you to do something better. You know, you may also feel a sense of urgency about finding a new partner, but, you know, the rebound but that may prevent you from working through your previous relationship. You know, uh, if you don't take the time to reflect on the relationship, you may end up repeating patterns and making the same mistakes in the next one and the next one and the next one. Why don't you learn how to be in a long-term relationship? Well, we learn to do that. And if you're in a relationship that's not working, try to make it work by learning how to, to be in a marriage. And if you learn how to be in a marriage, then you can make peace with being divorced and not having to move on with someone else and, and uh, maybe have learned something from that marriage that you can apply to this new person. You know, it can be hard to break away from uh, the old ways of thinking and behaving, if you, even if you know it's not good. 
You know, sometimes people have a hard time coping with being single when they had become used to being part of a couple. And this may be especially true after a long-term relationship ends. So if you're struggling with your identity as a single person, try to remember that your value comes from who you are, not who you're with. You know, being your own uh, person gives you the opportunity to focus on yourself and fill your own tank. And though this can be hard if you're used to taking care of others, generally find it easier about than thinking about your own needs. You know, sometimes people who aren't as confident socializing on their own are more comfortable in social situations when they're part of a couple. Others may enjoy being social whether they're in a relationship or not. So the tendency to avoid social situations is often a mix of worrying about seeing an ex-partner or someone who might ask about the relationship and how it ended. And uh, they avoid places and activities and people who would remind them of their ex. And so, you know, try not to isolate. You certainly don't have to go out on a, a Friday night if you'd rather stay home with a book. But if you do feel like spending time around others, just don't want to go out on your own. Ask a friend to go with you, you know. Mindful dating is is a really good process. While you don't have to rush it, you may begin to open up. Why can't you just go get a cup of coffee and nothing else? Do you have to go on a date date? Do you have to go to a movie and then go to their house or go whatever, go out to a bar? Do you have to do all that stuff? Can you just see if you like them? Can you just meet them for a cup of coffee and that's it? And not any obligation to go any farther? Why do you have to schedule this long, drawn-out evening When uh, you barely know the person, you know, you might want to pace yourself. You know, it might be scary to think about falling in love again, especially after you've been hurt. But you need to try to remember that the deeper the pain is in the heart, it means you experience love just as deeply. And that's important. You know, whether a church group or sports team, a local library, you're more likely to make positive connections with other people and find really good relationships. But the big part is forgiving your ex, and that may take time, but you have to understand intentions to get to forgiveness, especially if you were hurt or betrayed. It's important to note that forgiving someone does not mean that you condone their hurtful actions or behaviors. You do that for yourself. You do it for yourself. In fact, sometimes the act of forgiveness is not so much about the other person, but arriving at a place of forgiveness gives you permission to stop investing time and energy into a person and situation that's no longer healthy. You know, to mend a broken heart and move on, there's someone else you need to be ready to forgive, and that's yourself. All right, that's our show. I want to thank you for listening. You know, I love hearing from you. You can do that at our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, after a broken heart, hell should be easy. Also, broken hearts are not fatal. And if it doesn't break your heart, then it isn't love. Also, apathy is the opposite of love, not hate. And it's better to laugh at what someone has left you for. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 